So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. All our freedom fighters, we are excited to talk to you guys today. We've had an ongoing discussions on entrepreneurship, investing in the past. We've talked everything about different models on starting businesses, growing businesses. One of the things that we hear most often is people saying, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. And then people that have maybe either started something or they're in a routine, they just don't know where to go. They're looking for opportunities and they feel that they're just not seeing them. They feel that they don't have any of those opportunities in their life. When then you have other people that it seems like, geez, you have all these opportunities and you hear about them and you're like, where'd you find that? How can I create that? Or how did you think of that? And we really wanted to address on this topic because it's really important and it's really important. We're going to get this right out of the way, starting it out. Opportunities are created. They are not found. And that really is the cornerstone of today's discussion. I think that when you're looking at opportunity here and when there's two different avenues that we talk about on the podcast, investing and in entrepreneurship, I I'd say, I don't know about you, Rook, but I'd say the fundamental principle is the same when you're talking about economic opportunities across the board. I think we've all gone through it where you're frustrated, you want to move your life forward, you want to do something, and you, you just feel like you're hitting a wall or you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do. And then two, I know that both Rock and I, we were just having the discussion today. It's like, there are so many opportunities. It's the opposite. We're trying to prioritize to pick the best ones, where should I allocate my time? Where should I allocate my money? And what's within my core competencies? Because if you get that wrong, we have an opportunity cost. So for me, opportunity cost now is more important than the opportunity. So somebody came and said, listen, I have a deal that I guarantee is going to make money. This is what we have to do. That does not mean I'm going to take it by any means at all, because the opportunity cost of allocating simply time not only to that opportunity, but that person, that may not be worth it at all to me. So that's where you want to get. You want to get to where you're looking at opportunities and evaluating the opportunity cost, which one to choose. And that's where we hope this discussion today will help you out. One of the biggest things for creating opportunity is making sure that the things you own don't stifle your opportunities. Most people get themselves in over their head with with their expenses from their mortgage, car payments, financing other things, student loans, and by tying yourself to the obligation of paying them, then they don't have the ability to even try to start a business or invest in something or save money because they're, they're busy paying debts to finance their lifestyle. If you're not in a place to capitalize on opportunities, I don't think opportunities even come to you. And I think subconsciously you block them off or it doesn't even matter, first of all, because you're right. If you're living paycheck to paycheck and you really don't have savings. And two, you really don't have time because you're all running around. Well, your resources to do anything are gone, right? I mean, you're talking about like time and capital. And if you don't have that, then you can't even see opportunities. So it almost is like they don't matter. And then I think what happens is you find yourself watching TV at night and wasting three hours a night, right? And there, there's nothing to do. And you get stuck. 
Yeah, and probably the best way is somebody needs to create an action plan if they're in that situation. They should probably sell the things that they downsize your home, sell your car, get get us something cheaper, and create a way to pay off your debt so that you can start to manage it and then kind of build the habits to get yourself out of debt and into a place of savings where you can start to invest the money. Getting yourself into a place where you're cash flow positive personally, and this is hard because it is, it is, you're right, people like dig themselves in that hole and they're down there at the bottom. And I think Rock makes the analogy of the steps, and, and this is really important for those of you that are like, I want opportunities, but you can't capitalize on it. You stop focusing. Stop looking and saying, why Why haven't I seen the next Instagram? Like, no, focus on paying off your first credit card, right? Get rid of that credit card balance yep. and learn how to do those things. Learn how to be cash flow positive. And that will also help you learn about what opportunities exist. If you're in a bad spot financially, normally you can't see financial opportunities. And I think really that's... The, f- the first step to all of this is not getting yourself and, you know, getting really your house in order and going through that, understanding what it takes to be financially solid. If you want to get an investment or a business, but you don't even know how to make yourself financially solid and positive cash flow, then how are you ever supposed to see an opportunity for a business or an investment to be financially solid and profitable and good for you? In fact, it's probably the opposite. You see people get caught in get-rich-quick schemes and everything else like that because they are looking for a bailout. I want something to change my life now. I want something to pay off my credit card debt. I'm going to get that big hit, and you know I'm just going to join this MLM, and I'm going to be the first one in it, and then I'm going to buy my dream house or you know whatever it is. It causes that thinking because it causes desperation. I need to get something, and I need something big to take care of this and to get me out of this hole. That is the complete wrong thinking. You get out of the hole by making small, right, little steps in the right direction and slowly getting yourself out. Then once you're on solid ground, you can do the exact same thing and look at slow, small steps to getting yourself in a position to capitalize on opportunities, like creating a savings plan and start doing actionable things and learning and start studying online and figuring out what opportunities look like and what the landscape is. Right? What is the economic landscape that we're in? What, how does money work? Right? How does businesses work? In order to see an opportunity in the game, for me, not only do you have to be able to capitalize on the game, but I know a lot of people that can capitalize, but they have no idea how the game is played. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how the game is played, you can't see opportunities to win the game. Yeah, so, so people need to be learning and reading and studying and meeting people and networking to get the, uh, the, the knowledge to even see what an opportunity would be, right? Absolutely. The, it, first of all, everyone is surrounded by opportunities 24-7. Everyone. You either don't see them or you can't capitalize on them, whatever it is. I think for the vast majority of people, including me, we've all been there, everything else like that, you just simply couldn't see the opportunity. So getting a good feel we, we talk a lot about mentors, but pulling in good, solid, long-term fundamental skills. Once again, I want to stray away from anything that you read on the internet or anything that's a quick fix, but understanding principles of how the economy works. So how 
is revenue generated in the economy? Where does money come from, right? Uh, do lots of case studies on successful businesses, how they've been built up and how they're successful. What makes those things successful? And then as learning through other people's experience, I mean, I just remember diving into anything written by you know Warren Buffett, all these people to understand economics because I realized I don't really understand the basic foundation of this game and that's the tools that are used to play the game. And it was really diving into those things that led me to understand better how to capitalize on a wonderful strategy and opportunity that ended up to be Bitroot, which is our large company and everything else like that. That came purely from studies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the best way to, to merge those is like you start learning, you start studying, you start getting yourself out of debt and you build a foundation that you can operate from. And then you can start to see like, say, Hey, maybe I'll spend the $3,000 I have saved up for an opportunity on this brand idea I have for this product because I've been studying all these forums about reading and starting your first online brand and verifying that the credibility of the people that you're studying is good. Like I definitely recommend making sure that you don't go on a whim and buy someone's course rather than actually buy a product that can move you forward mm-hmm. unless the course is the information that you need to get to the mm-hmm. point. But most people's courses aren't, most people's courses are their opportunity vehicle for uh-huh. to get there what's the naval quote it's like um, there's no get rich quick schemes there's just people getting rich off of you yes exactly and basically i mean from there when when you have the foundation and you're starting these things your thing might fail but you'll learn way more in failing and then you can go do another one and it's just more about consistency and being persistent and following through to 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 your idea that works because the odds of you hitting out of the park the first time is are low so I, I got to tell a quick story with this because it's a great story. So I, you're exactly right. Learning to me has two sides. You have obviously reading, getting credible people. Well, three. You have the reading, right, the material that you're learning from. But then you have people that you connect with, the networking, which we'll talk more about that. But doing. And that cannot be replaced. And there's weird things that you don't understand. So yeah, I was combining kind of the two things in my MBA program where I was going through and we were learning and what we had to do in the MBA program is like, there's no, we're not giving you answers. Like you need to create a company. And then our capstone was we presented it to a panel of venture capitalists. And then they basically would choose who designed these venture capitalists, which choose which business, business they would want to invest in everything. And so I came up, my company had this great idea. This was back when not a lot of people were selling stuff online. And I thought, oh, I'm going to sell a product online. And it's going to be, you know, uh, you know how you have bean bags and water beds. I thought, why don't you just combine the two, right? In my little, in my, <laughs> I was like, this is genius, right? So I actually had the products made in China. I had an engineer that I found on, it was Upwork in Minnesota. He engineered the whole thing. I had China manufacturings make it. I did the whole P&Ls, the numbers. I brought it. I filled it up. I did testing. I got covers, everything. I presented it. And I won the competition and everything. And I'm like, this is the, like the multi-million dollar idea. And so I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. And I fill it up and I'm like, okay, Tess, we're going to fill it up inside the house. And she looks at me and she's like, hey, you're not putting that in my house. How do you fill it up once it's inside the house? Because I had to take a hose and fill it up. And then we had to take it in the upstairs. And she's like, then when we want to move it, how do we drain it? I hadn't thought through like the basics. Well, I had and even, the shape too, right? Yeah, and the shape. I had it just to, lays like a flat exactly. water blob. <laughs> so I won, no shape to I it. won the competition and it wasn't even applicable. I couldn't even do it. <laughs> so all these venture capitalists are like, oh, that's great. 
because on paper, it made perfect sense. My numbers yeah, were awesome. A, that is a good example. Everything else like that knocked it out of the park. I even had venture capitalists who were like, wow, this is a really good business. Great job, right? Yeah. And I went out of all these, which the other people, their business models would have probably been successful and, and worked. But the simplest thing destroyed my entire idea. Yeah. Functionally, it didn't even make sense. And you can never know that unless you're doing Unless you put the money forth, you go through the entire exercise only to figure out you can't fill it up and drain it inside your house, right? Mm -hmm. And you're left with this huge just plastic bag of water sitting up in a room that you have nothing, you can't do anything with. Anyways, I think that that's a perfect illustration once again of how taking small steps and executing different ideas, that will not only will it show you what you can do that doesn't work, but two... In that step, I learned some very vital things. First of all, margin was extremely important for online businesses because the allocation of revenue and how I had to do it, I needed to have something that was like three times the cost or I needed to have something that had a very, very wide margin to make sure I could get that done online. Yeah, we should talk about that because I think another thing that'll kill your opportunities is finding low-hanging fruit that has no margin. Like yeah. I think if you're selling a $5 product, you should be able to sell it for $25. Oh yeah, I think yeah, and, and like five five x minimum, and that's why the supplement industry is so saturated. Is because it's the lowest hanging fruit for everybody to go ahead and private label a supplement and launch it and hope that it, it ranks. Whereas you got other companies out there with multi billion or multi million dollar budgets that'll just blow you out of the water, and it's a land grab. But the reason that supplements are so attractive is you can make them for four dollars and sell them for sixty, and I think people will go and start clothing lines and start other ideas where their margin is $10 to make a shirt or $7 to make a shirt and then they're selling a shirt for 20 bucks there's no way you can grow a business on that if you add in your ad spend your operating costs all those other factors and so you might not think that you or you might think you're onto something but you don't have you don't have the wherewithal and, and the growth to to do that I've made that mistake so many times I want to hit on two things here cuz this also applies really heavily in investing First of all, I generally think that if you're looking for opportunity and the opportunity is you're following other people, that almost never works. So because of what you're talking about, you get oversaturated, your cost to acquire customers skyrocket because you're competing with other people. Whereas if you could sell a different product, but not a lot of people use it, but your cost to acquire them is nothing and you're providing a service that is rare, you can charge more for it, you can have a really sustainable business. So following the pack because you hear it's great tends to not work. You know, and this also applies to investing. When we got into self-storage, first of all, not only was it not cool, it was, it, I didn't even talk about it because <laughs> it was like, you know, everybody's like doing all these cool businesses, things like that. And I had what was the equivalent of a junkyard. That's how it was perceived. Mm -hmm. I mean, we went to the meetings, and I'm sitting next to a guy in overalls, and there's some weird guy up talking about, like, in, in the association meetings, there's 20 of us in a room, and then some guy's up there talking about how he's, like, buying domains. from It was just a weird environment. There weren't a lot of people there. there. We were in these teeny classrooms, right? If you go to that same association meeting now, thousands and thousands of people, all in suits, everything else like that. Now storage facilities are trading at cap rates equivalent to apartments, I mean, really, we find our opportunity where we compete and we have to turn around facilities. But if you're just to go out and buy one in today, the competition is so astronomical. People are picking these up 
at basically break even. They make no money at it. And that's at its performance, not talking about whether it's failing or not. The moment you get into this hyper competitiveness, even if the product type is good, right? So storage is a great product, but it doesn't matter if you can't execute, right? If you can't deliver products and services efficiently to customers, if you can't capitalize on storage facility and have upside potential turn it around or whatnot, you don't have the wherewithal. The margins are too thin. The deal is too tight. You're buying a five cap in the next recession, recession, you're obliterated. Yeah. And we're kind of moving from personal opportunity into business opportunity. Yeah. We, but yeah, we, we moved <laughs> really <right> quickly, <laughs> pretty quickly, but it, it, they do, they do go kind of hand in hand because you can't really, uh, obviously you need, we've kind of established, I mean, for personal opportunity, you need to just have cash. You need to no, you need to have a decent understanding of the direction you want to go in, and you should probably have a, a good understanding of the business model you want to do. But in business opportunity, you should talk about or at least give examples of how experience plays into because I just think about the business you guys sold and then you you doing it now. The opportunities you have now are way different, and yeah. you've been like the growth rate that you guys have is unreal. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So we're in the insurance world. So I currently own a brokerage firm and my dad owned a brokerage firm and I worked for, me and him worked together and we worked for a larger company, multinational company called Gallagher. And so we had, a, we had some experience, not some, we had massive experience. We were, you guys were the biggest, we were the biggest, we in, and where we live and we capitalized on some opportunities. And let me walk into how we capitalized on those opportunities. We, we noticed changes in the markets overall technology was coming in and allowing us to deliver things to customers that were traditionally only done by multi-billion dollar companies. So we were able to do this on a local scale that allowed us to acquire a lot of good customers, a lot of good revenue paying customers. Over time though, this business model changed margins started to shrink. And I'm looking at this company that I'm supposed to be running for the next 30 years, everything like that. And I'm going, this isn't working. And it's only getting worse. Our margins, the economics behind it were hurting us. So when I, we, first of all, we knew very intrinsically the revenue drivers and we knew very intrinsically, you know, when looking at the economics behind how the business was going, how the government played its role into it. What happened, because we'd been in it for so long, we knew all the players, we knew the businesses, we knew the regulators, we could see how the future was shaping our business. And that was that margins were shrinking. But the biggest problem that I had with our business and when we were working in it was I had no way to repeat that process at a known rate of return. And once again, we're talking business opportunities here, but this is important. So understanding the fundamentals of that business, though, led me to understand the fundamentals of another business very clearly. I could understand P&Ls and I could understand business process. And we understood businesses very well. We consulted, we did mergers and acquisitions. Well, I looked over at storages and I saw this asset, right? And we'd bought one and people were buying them like passive real estate assets, but you have all these product services, things that were trading and being sold. And I, we looked over and we're like, they don't even know what they own. They think they own a passive real estate asset, but it's not. It's an operating functioning business. We could go buy that and turn it into the business that it should be, and the revenue will explode. And that's what we did. And two, it was a repeatable process that we could do over and over and over again. We could use our business skills to improve operations. We could do dynamic pricings with revenue, all this kind of stuff to affect the underlying revenue drivers of that, increase revenue, find the right customers, drive massive value. And then we could use that value to have huge margins and compound it to grow our business. Because 
your margins, that capital coming into you, that determines how fast you can grow. If you have a 3% margin and you're selling a $5 product, do you know how many products you have to sell to, <laughs> I mean, to do anything, to even buy replacement products, but to grow, it's just, it doesn't work. And if you're buying five caps and you want to grow, well, okay, you have to change the value of that asset so much to get capital to redeploy and buy into it. So we understood those drivers. We used that money and got into a business we knew would work better. And we used our experience from the last one to start this one. And it's worked well. And then once again, we started another one. We found another opportunity to deal with software in that line of business. And we started up another brokerage firm. So this idea of you understanding and learning as you go, that compounds and the opportunities that you see get bigger. They get more advanced and you get higher margins, right? But you don't see it unless you do it. When we started yeah, you out, you're like knocking more. door to door, right? I mean, I went into a client, one of my first clients that I went in to try to get, I, I got paid off commissions. That's how I got my clients. I, I walk in and I'm sitting down and the guy's like, oh, so do you work with Blue Cross or Blue Shield? Before he said that, I had no idea that th those were two different companies. I didn't even know. I'm in here to talk to a client and he knew way more about what I was even talking about than I did. And I walked out of there going, wow, I don't know anything. Went and knocked on the next door to keep trying to sell because I learned at that point what I didn't know. Great. Now I can figure it out. Yeah. The next client, he'd tell me a whole bunch of stuff. Weren't clients, prospects, because they didn't sign up with me. And they'd tell me everything that I didn't know. I'd go to the next one. And this right. was just time and time and time and time again, me failing, me looking stupid. Then all of a sudden I'm able to surround myself with people that know, capitalize on bigger clients. And then you can grow through that process. Mm -hmm. Once again, this is a lot more business. No, yeah, it is. Well, and it's good. I now, like I'll vouch for AJ. I've been in a meeting where he was talking to a prospect and he wrecked him. I would not want to negotiate with AJ. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's obviously like through, you did it for 10 years, doing it for 10 years. Like it, you can't get to where you are in 10 years tomorrow. You have no. to, you have to put the time in. And I think that's the underlying thing to the entire opportunity thing is putting your time into it. I couldn't agree more. I, opportunity is learned and you see it, but you don't know what you don't know. And what you don't know, like what I don't know right now is infinite. It is endless. And every time I learn more, I simply learn more of what I don't know. Mm -hmm. And that is awesome because that process of discovery while you're learning is the process of cultivating and discovering opportunities. Yeah. I mean, you turn over a rock. I mean, you started out on working... Um, delivering products on Amazon. Well, the next thing you know, you figured out how to use Amazon. Now you're dealing with clients delivering that service of how to deliver products and people pay you to do that. You, well, you couldn't have done that just right. two years before because you had no idea to even how to do it. So the more you do, you start uncovering rocks. And it's skill development. Like it's what you're doing is you're building skills because yeah, the people, the, the clients that I have, they work with me because I'm really good at something extremely specific because I had to be good at it to get to where I wanted to go. You're not going to achieve your goal if you're not proficient at it, multiple skills, marketing, branding, all sorts of skills that go into building a business. And yeah, I, I started to see, oh, well, wait a second. What, I'm good at this. Why don't I just open that avenue up to other people? Because I know other people need it. And, and it was a pretty easy correlation. And I think... A lot of people, they, they say like, what is it? The average millionaire has seven streams of income. I don't know if that's a lie or not. But I think the reason they do is because that happens. They, they see they're doing one thing and then they're like, like, and I'll shoot it back to you. It's like you're, you own a storage business and 
you have an issue, well, you're going to create a software to fix that problem. And, and same thing with me. I run an e-commerce company and I'm selling on multiple platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Google, whatever it is. And I get good at it. Well, why don't I open that avenue up? And it just keeps opening up. I'm selling in one niche. Well, I can do the other niche. And then you keep going. And as long as you put the, and, and I don't want to go too far off of opportunity, but as long as you put the systems into place and you're able to manage the growth, you can do that. But a lot of people will narrow, they, they lose focus and it kind of consumes them because they're doing 12 different things. And two, you want to be conscious of that. This is really important. When Ruck says building systems, what he's talking about is setting it up. A lot of people, they're like, how do you do so much? And I'm like, well, it's not really me, right? Like I set up, you set up one profitable stream, one thing leads to opportunities. You have other people come in to help you deliver that one so you can create more. But you don't get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm just going to start seven companies. That's not how it works. Those streams come in slowly. You have to build out companies. You have to build out. So when you're starting and you see an opportunity, well, let's go see if that fails or if that works. But get it to work before you move on to the next one. Yeah, and I have a good example of that, actually. So, like, everyone listening is probably like, well, how do you even start? Like, you get those questions where where I don't even – there's so much to do. I don't even know where to start. And one of the things I realized when I was starting – because I knew I wanted to get into selling online. And one of the lowest hanging fruits for most people is affiliate marketing. And I built a niche site in a niche that I I like. I think it's cool. And – I just spent my time learning SEO, which is search engine optimization, figuring out how to rank your articles at the top of, of the Google search results. And I was doing white hat. There's white hat and black hat. Black hat's basically where you scam Google and try it and rank it immediately. White hat is long-term play. And I just figured, you know, I'm just here to learn. I'm trying to figure out how to make it work. And that was five years ago, four years ago that I built that. And that thing still makes like a hundred bucks a month off of affiliate sources that I don't even think I've looked at that website in a couple of years, but it's it's there, it keeps running because the articles were good and high quality and I figured out how to do SEO. So it ranked itself, but I, like, I, I'll check it every now and then just to see what's going on with it, but I have not opened that thing. It's like for, truly passive. Oh yeah, it's not a crazy amount of money, but a yeah. hundred bucks is a hundred bucks. I'm not, yeah. no one's going to turn down a hundred dollars a month. Yeah. And I probably should actually go spend a bit more time since it's doing so well. And kind of make it better because it's it's extremely rudimentary. But I use those skills to go forward and start other things and do other things. And I also just have the knowledge to have a conversation on SEO, where I, I like like I don't do it for a living, but I'm I'm I, Gary Vee always says he's dangerous enough in everything. Like I'm dangerous enough to know exactly what I'm talking about. And for most people, like they'll offer SEO services and stuff, and I can tell in an instant if it's if it's bull or not, just because a lot. Of, and that's a note to everybody. If, if you pay for SEO services, most likely you're paying two grand to an agency who just outsources it to, a, to India where they pay 150 bucks and they do really bad SEO on your website that ends up having the opposite effect. So don't pay for SEO services unless it's well proven and they have, they have a lot of examples and you get to look at all those examples, which they probably won't. So. Well, and two, not only do you see opportunity, but you also see the downfall. And this is really important because a lot of opportunity is just figuring out what won't won't work, right? right. I, I've yeah. done a lot of things that were embarrassingly silly now that I look back on it. I mean, really, I, I look back, I'm like, how could I have ever even thought yeah. that either that could work or I could have pulled that off, Yeah. right? And two, what I can do today, I mean, if you go back 10 years ago, 
even if these opportunities came, I, they would never even, I couldn't even see them, right? I wouldn't have known. And if they came across my plate, I wouldn't have known what to do with them. So you have to start small. And that's how you, you, it grows and gets bigger. I mean, we did, we were starting in small facilities, like you said. We came in, now we have huge problems with massive software to run our business off. Well, instead, we got with a handful of other people, and we did a $5 million raise, and we're now building an entire software company. Mm -hmm. That couldn't have happened four years ago. And so opportunity compounds, and I think that's really important for you to understand. Don't sniff at small things and be like, oh, that's not worth my time. And a lot of us, it's hard because you're at a job, and you're getting paid, let's say, $50,000, $60,000 a year. And you have an opportunity to spend three hours a night to build a niche site that's going to make you a hundred bucks a month, but it's going to take you weeks and months to get it up and get enough content. And it's going to take you a hundred hours to do. And you're like, are you kidding me? That's not even worth my time. Yeah. And so then you don't do it. Right. And I know this cause I did this and I thought, oh, I'm only going to do it unless there's high payoffs, but I was not worth and there's, I did not see. There's no high payoffs there's until you, no until high you can be a exactly. high payoff. I couldn't, I couldn't capitalize on anything that would pay me very much because at the end of the day, I wasn't worth it. Yep. And I didn't know how to cultivate it. I didn't know how to make it because opportunity is created. It's not given. So even if I found it, I couldn't do anything with it. And this layering effect of skills and financial capital um, getting you up to a position. I mean, if you had this opportunity to be a part of a startup, because people wanted your one little thing, but they said, here's the problem though. We're going to have to pay you half of what you make for the first year. But then after that, who knows where it'll go, but you could be a multimillionaire. Well, the vast majority of everyone immediately, I can't do that. I have a mortgage. I have all this stuff. I can't, right? I can't, I can't do that. For me right now, I allocate mass amounts of capital to opportunity. Mm -hmm. I mean, my personal expenses don't even... It's, it doesn't even eclipse to what I spend. My, uh, 70% of my personal income, I spend on creation, capitalizing on opportunities. And that's not even to talk about the business capital that I use to go buy new facilities, different things like that. And so now that I can see it too, the value of my capital is way more. Yeah, because you know to do with it. I know what to do and with it. And it's compounding. And it's compounding. And I think you brought up a, a point that we should talk about uh, before we go too far off the deep end. We, we have a tendency to we do to, to play <laughs> off each other. But you talked about people. And I think we should talk about how people play into opportunity and not in a using somebody way, but in that most, like you, when you're starting out or even, even as you're going, you don't really know a whole lot about a whole lot of things. You might know a good amount about a couple things. And for the most part, you're pinholed to a, a certain industry or a certain niche. And there's not really a way to gain more opportunity. I'm t what I'm talking about, I'll give you an example, is if you own a service-based business or something physical and you want to, and that's your main source of income, and you know you need to diversify because your competition's heating up in the area and you think you should get into real estate investing. Well, now you have a problem in that you don't know anyone who, who's into real estate investing. You don't have anyone to even give your money to. And... That's that's an extremely important thing where if you knew somebody who knew how to invest or if you had spent some time figuring out how to buy small multifamily properties in your area, you would be in a position where you could invest and you'd have that opportunity. So let's talk about yeah, meeting people. Yeah, this is so important. This is the piece that if you don't have, I just don't... I and honestly Anyone don't can have it. Yeah, and anyone can have this. But if you don't have it, I, I don't see how you can make it. 
because the transfer of information that you need, like, let me put it this way. I read a lot of books, but if I read a book, honestly, 15% of that book is usable meat. The rest is just time. But two, the content that I may have, that I may take from it, how applicable it is or how I'm able to use that. Lots of times you need direction and guidance, how to implement that knowledge. And when you surround yourself with people that have been doing it, they're currently doing it, and you're reading books from 10 years ago that may not even be relevant anymore in your industry, your market, or what you're trying to do. It, it's just, you have to surround yourself with these people. They will show you the pitfalls, but two, they help you see the opportunity, whether it's real opportunity or not. And they'll say, listen, that's not an opportunity because here's the five pit holes. Well, do you know how much time and money they just saved you? I mean, this is, this is the difference of you making something happen in five years and the difference of it taking 50. I mean, you have to go out and find people to surround yourself. Look at the self-storage industry, right? We were doing, but at the same time, we knew we needed help and we knew we needed to learn. So we went and joined an association called Store Local. We liked it so much, we ended up buying part of it and we're founding members of it. But we needed to surround ourselves by professionals and by people that knew. And we knew we couldn't make it without. And we do that in every business. In every business that I have, I surround myself with people that will help help you get there. You're no different. Like, don't let your pride get in your way. You need to go find mentors. You need to go find helpers. You need to go find individuals that you can shoot an email to or say, hey, can we go out to lunch so I can talk through this with you? And they'll help you find and see what you can't see and what you don't know. And that's part of that like cultivating and discovering process of opportunities because they show it to you and you have these aha moments yep. where you're either seeing or listening or reading and you're just like, holy cow. Mm -hmm. It's like I see a whole nother world now. And there's been several times where I received information that completely changed the way that I saw the world. And I, you know, and then after a long time doing that, you see a totally different world than you saw before that is filled with opportunities. And it, you really need help to draw back that veil to see what's on the other side because you don't know. Yeah. And I think about the, like one of the first times I met you, you gave context to my goals because when you start out, you have ambitious goals, but you don't have reality playing into them. So you th like people say, I'm going to be a millionaire in a year. And the reality of the situation is, is it'll take you a year to figure out the direction you need to go in and maybe get started. And so your goals, your goals aren't based on a real timeline. And as soon as they're based on a real timeline, yeah, it'll take you longer, but you'll get there faster. Like as weird as that sounds, it'll take you longer, but you'll get there faster yep. because what otherwise what people end up doing and what I did for the probably two, a couple, a couple years before I met you is I would just keep doing the same thing and getting no result and then keep doing it because I, I wasn't seeing the bigger picture or having context to how I had achieved the level, like the goals that I'd want to achieve. And I think when, like I, th I sat down with you and I think I told you I wanted to have $10 million net worth and you said, okay, well, how are you going to do that? And I was like, through real estate. And I think we ended up talking about house hacking and then we figured out that I needed 30 duplexes in, in three years which just in my current situation was not, it was not possible. But that like was extremely eye-opening to me because I don't think 10 million is a crazy number. It's definitely like amazing, yeah. but it's not a crazy number. And I think anyone listening can achieve it. Mm -hmm. 
but but you can't do it in three years. Like the way you got to do it is you got to base it in a realistic context of what you're doing, what you can do, what you know how to do. And that kind of brings light to what opportunities you have and what you can go for. This is a fantastic way to find opportunity because formatting your goals will create this blank emptiness. I have these goals, but I don't know how to get there. And then you can start surrounding yourself with people they can start filling in those blanks for you. Yeah. They can start to say, okay, that's fabulous. You want to make $100,000 a year. Well, what are you doing now? Well, I'm a waiter and I make $35,000 a year. Okay. Now, do you want to be an entrepreneur? Do you want to be an investor? Like you start asking these questions yeah. that you have to start answering. Because just because an opportunity comes to you too, that doesn't mean you should do it. Right? And so you got to start figuring out the path that is that is best for you that works within your core competency. So, you know, if you're an attorney, right, and you make $250,000 a year and you're a waiter who makes $35,000 a year, your paths are going to be very very different. Now, the waiter, he may have a lot more time on his hands where the attorney says, "I have no time at all." I don't. I have this career, I make a lot of money, but I do not have time to go out and build something. But I do have money. All right. Well, great. Now, let's look at some opportunities you have. You have $250,000 in your bank account. Well, why don't we see what it would take for you to make six figures passively with this $250,000? Well, we have, you have to invest it at either a certain percentage, or you have to get a certain amount of investments that you can turn around and build it up to, right? So you're working through these investment strategies. Now, the guy that makes $30,000 a year, he has $2,000 in his bank account, but he works basically part-time and he has all this time. You say, okay, great. Now, you don't have the money, so you need to get the money. So let's start looking at how you could start an online business, maybe affiliate programs, yeah. right? How can you make more money at work? How can you, right? So the paths are totally different, but you take that goal and then you got to look at how to get there and you need to surround people with that says, you know, okay, listen, you're probably not going to just come up with the next Instagram. That's great that that's your plan, but we need to get down to earth, right? Yeah. And the more you chip away at these things and have realistic conversations with people that know what they're doing and how to do it, they can help guide you and map out a plan for you, right? And there's definitely, I call it fishing in dead water. And this is really important for anyone to understand. This is what people can help you out with more than anything else with opportunity. I, there's so many people, so like, uh, I'm a big fly fisherman, right? And if you go to a river, a lot of people don't understand this, but fish aren't just distributed through the river. That's not how it works. Like fish congregate where there's food, where there's protection, and when there's ease, like they don't have to get a lot of effort to get it, right? So there's certain areas in the river that it's what, what, what we call dead water. There's no fish in it. Fish don't even live there. But yet you see all these people that are over there fishing. Well, it doesn't matter how much they fish. They're never going to catch anything. Yep. Because they're fishing where there's no fish. You need a fly fisherman to come over and grab you and say, hey, dude, there's no fish over here. You need to go over there. That's what people do for you. When you're starting up or investing in things, stuff like that, you need somebody to come and say, there's no fish in this water. Yeah, and you brought up a super good point. And when I was at the Fastlane Summit, MJ DeMarco, the author of The Millionaire Fastlane, he talked about your opportunity scores and how you create opportunity. And he had this crazy, like, it's such a good point and such an, I'm, I'm going to try and put it into words because it's something visual. But basically, he took, and I think we've talked a little bit about this, it's where people say that 95 or 99% of businesses fail, whatever statistic they want to throw out there. But when you take the actual statistics out, 
and you look at how many businesses have they built, how many years of in the workforce they have, what's their education level. When you stack all these factors, the odds of you having a successful business, your opportunity score is so much higher. And he put there was numbers and math behind this. I don't I don't even think he released it because it was so, it was like a confidential 100 person meeting. But that play that that's so true because the the guys that I know from that group they're in their most of the millionaires in that group and there's there's a lot of them i'd say 50% of the people that go are millionaires and the other 50 are will be the guys that are in there they're not old they're they're in their 30s but it's definitely not their first business it's definitely not even their first idea they've worked before most of them are college educated or if they're not college educated they started at 18 trying to figure out how to build a business and i think when you stack all those things together and you're, you're around all those people, like you got to think if you're around 10 millionaires, you're probably going to be one too. All those things factor into building your opportunity. And I don't think that you should let other people dictate and tell you what your odds of success or what your opportunities can be. You can go make them. It's just in what you, what you do. This comes down to what we're talking about. At the end of the day, you're stacking odds in your favor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what do you have to do? If I'm starting out, I would look at myself and, and I would always do this, right? I don't care whether you're doing this with athleticism or what it is. You need to find all the points where you're weak at, right? And this is how I view when people, you know, you see, there's all these weird myths around entrepreneurship these days. And I I don't understand it, but you have these weird myths, like they're a billionaire just because they worked harder right? That's not true at all, right? They figure out the best ways and how to leverage lots of different economic inputs to reach success on and on and on, right? And then you hear weird blanket statements. And like you said, you got to see the whole picture. Entrepreneurship is not a snapshot. It is not a one piece thing. You need to analyze yourself and say, listen, how willing am I to work nonstop, but how willing willing am I to learn? How willing am I to surround myself with others? You you have to hit on so many levels because you have to improve. You have to get better because you have to stack the odds up in your favor because one thing can take you down. And so you really do need to look at the whole picture and figure out where you're lacking. Yeah. Experience, people, education, even where you work. You know, I I look at this too. You talk about people that you surround yourself with. This is important because this, you know, I look at this and say like deal flow, right? Most of the people that I've been around or that I work with, I have a very tight circle in which deals come to, I use, I take advantage of, and I do deals with. And outside the circle, we really don't go far out. The people that we started the store local association with that we were learning from, everything else like that. We did a $7 million deal that's worth $25 million today. We all became very, very wealthy and made a lot of good money off that deal, right? Those are the same people that I look at other deals with. These are the same people that I started up the software company with, right? This is how deals, this is how opportunity works. People do not give opportunity to people that can't help. You need to look at your value and say, what can I offer? Then we surround ourselves with people that can bring stuff to the table and then they bring deals because they need you. And for most people, it's just time. You just, it is, you got to be able to work. I mean, even look at us, we're starting two companies up like today. We just basically agreed and finalized on one and we have the contracts back from another that we're going to do. And that's kind of how it works. Every, we had, I had one guy that brought 50% of all our deals to us. We paid him out over a million dollars in cash, and it was like a year and a half. 
that was beneficial for both parties, right? And we still, when he brings date, we know we're sitting down with him to do the deal. You need to surround yourself with long-term relationships. These are people that you're that can depend on you, that you know that you can call, they're going to help you out. These are people that you know when they call, you pick up the phone mm-hmm. and you help. You stick your neck out and you put in the work then they're more than happy. People pay it forward. And opportunity is people, right? You can see the economic opportunity, but unless you have the knowledge, the people, the things to get it done, you can't do it. Yep. And so that is such a key, key part, not just to learn, but also to create deal flow or create the opportunity. If you are interested in a certain niche or a certain part of the business, and that's what you want to go for, go to other people, ask how it works, how it functions. And then eventually when you surround yourself with these people that are truly successful, then they will start bringing you in because you're helping them so much, they feel like they owe it to you. Yep. Yep. And I think when you go outside, uh, one of the things that I can't stress enough to, we talk about people a lot. It's very important, obviously. But two is this economic opportunity. Talk about this financially, things like this. You need to be able to understand how the world works. And I think a lot of people don't understand a lot of the basics of how the economy functions. If you don't understand these things, you cannot understand how consumers buy. You can't understand how money is passed from one hand to another. You can't understand how businesses are launched, all those kind of things. You need to be reading about this. You need to be understanding this. If you're looking for an investment and you want to get people to invest in your business and your project, you need to be able to speak intelligently about what you're doing, knowing that these people are intelligent people. And so you need to be able to come up and just not say, I have a full heart and I'm going to work hard because they're like, listen, I work hard. Everybody works hard. I know lots of people that are going to work hard. You have to bring something else to the table. You have to show them that you know what you're talking about, right? And that really will show through and it'll show through that you have not only the heart, but the knowledge and the smarts to pull it off and to actually get it done. There's a lot of things that come into this. Please reach out to us too and talk about like how you've cultivated. We really like to hear stories. We have all our stories, everything. If you guys want to reach out and message us too through cashflowtofreedom.com, tell us your stories on different opportunities that you've capitalized and how you've cultivated that stuff. That's really awesome. We'd love to put it in and talk about the show. Really, for everyone starting out though, get yourself financially straightened out then surround yourself with people and start to learn as much as you can. And you'll see opportunities will come your way and you'll see Mm -hmm. anything else you got. I mean, I think that we, we went deep into it. So we did, we kind (laughs) of, yeah, we actually stayed fairly focused, which is good for us. I mean, we, we kind of got out of line, but we brought it right back. Hey, everybody, once again, we're doing this for free. We're putting this out. We really like doing it. We like to build our network out. We like to use this for us to meet other people, create opportunity, everything that we're talking about. It's one of the reasons me and Rock like to do this. If you could please give us a good rating, we hope this information is helpful and useful to you. If you could go on to iTunes or Google's or whatever you're doing, give us a five-star rating and you know pay it forward a little to us. We'd, we'd really appreciate it and that would help us out a lot. Thanks everybody and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. 
And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.